Just, it gets me a little bit excited, and uh, I like to sing. So I like to sing those sometimes right before I preach. Gets me motivated, and <laughs> in the mood, and ready to go. But boy, what a great God that we do have! He's worthy of our worship. He's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of everything. We and we forget that we have such a self-centered uh, attitude anymore. We have such a humanist mindset in our country that basically, you know, there's many out there that flat out say that God is a creation of man. It's something that we have made up in our minds. Therefore, if God is a creation of man, uh, then we are God. We decide. And that is so wrong. It is so blasphemous. But boy, that kind of thing is pouring out into our society today. And even in churches today, they're so concerned about uh, you know, pleasing everybody and being popular. I mean, you know, God forbid anybody should you know say anything against them when they've taken a stand or they get a dislike on their Facebook page or somebody quit following them on Twitter. I mean, that'd just be the end of the world if something like that happened. And boy, the uh, but so people they've backed off from a lot of things. And the Lord's really been speaking to me about preaching things that uh, you know just that nobody else wants to talk about. I talked about that last week. You know, stuff that you're not going to hear on TV. Okay, the TV preachers aren't going to be preaching this stuff, but it is just as true as all get out. It's just as true as God is love. 
And there is a lot, there is a lot more in the Bible than just God is love. And one of the things that we see throughout the Bible is that God is love, but God is also holy. And He is also a just God. And because He's holy, because He's just, there are sins that have to be dealt with. And many people who have not read their Bibles, they've not gone to church for any length of time, they'll sometimes make some very uh, foolish statements. I, I had somebody one day uh, right here in town. I was out inviting people to church. I had my boys with me and with my son right there uh, talking about religion being a bunch of bad words. And uh, I said, why do you feel that way? And he said, if there was a God, why would He allow all the pain and suffering to go on in the world? And you know what's funny? People who say that very thing will get offended sometimes when you talk about the judgment of God. And the truth is, God is going to do something about all the all the wars and all the killings and things that have gone on in the world. God is going to do something about it. It's called the Battle of Armageddon. And that is prophesied about throughout the Bible. Throughout the Bible, we see references to God pouring His judgment out on this world because of man's sin. That, by the way, we've all contributed to. We also see God that God is going to judge lost souls. That could be any of us who do not accept Jesus Christ as our Savior. There is an eternal punishment. There is a place called hell. There are many religions today that either will not talk about hell or some that just flat out don't believe in it. I remember watching a news program one time and they were interviewing a pastor who was a well-known pastor. I guess I'd never heard of him before. But he had, uh, he was supposedly this prominent individual that figured out that hell's not real. Well, and talking about all the percentage of churches that don't believe or believe in hell anymore. But I'm sorry, it's still in the Bible. It's still there. It's still real. And I'm not trying to preach these things just because I want to be obnoxious and be different than everybody else. I feel like these things need to be preached because they are truth. And I think that you all are definitely owed the truth. I mean, I thank God for your faithfulness and coming to church. You're here. And I think you would prefer truth over lies. And that's, and that's exactly what we're wanting to talk about. And in Matthew chapter 22, we see a parable that Jesus gives. And I want us to look at a parable of the, it's the parable of the marriage feast. And it says, And Jesus answered and spake unto them, again by parables, and said, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king which made a marriage for his son, and sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. Again he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready, come unto the marriage. But they made light of it, and went their ways, one to his farm and another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. And when the king heard thereof, he was wroth, and sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Did you know that Christians through the centuries have been put to death just for trying to evangelize people? For trying to tell them about Jesus? They've taken God's messengers and they put them to death. And it still is happening in certain places in the world today. Just because we don't see it happening in America doesn't mean it's not happening all over the world. It's still happening. And boy, God sees that stuff and He doesn't take it lightly. And it says... Um, then saith he 
to his servants in verse 8, The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find, bid to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good, and the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he said unto him, Friend, how camest thou in thither, not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to the servant, Bind him hand and foot. Take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Right here we see a, a picture, a parable. It's a heavenly, or it's a earthly story with a heavenly meaning. That's how they're defined many times. And Jesus is talking about this wedding that was prepared and He sends people to go out and invite and some rejected. Some just made light of it. Some slew the servants. There's people out there if you go and you tell them about Jesus Christ, some they make light of it. They'll be polite. They'll listen. But they don't really pay attention. Some will just ignore it. I don't want to hear it. I'm not interested. Sometimes, people might even get violent. I mean, thankfully, I've never had anybody get violent with me. Uh, when trying to tell them about Jesus, but in some countries it does it does happen. There are some places where it is illegal to try to evangelize and to try to go spread the gospel, and uh, and people will die for trying to do that. And here we see in the story how God was upset with that those who murderers He called them, and it says that He went and destroyed those people. And God's going to do that. And during the tribulation period, we see that God is going, the world is going to answer for all the martyrs that there's ever been. That's another subject right there. But I tell you, you read Fox's Book of Martyrs and you read the stories of Christians who were put to death. And sometimes you read these horrible stories about how they were tortured just for trying to tell others about Jesus. And you read those stories and you think, why didn't God just send an angel down there and just tear those people apart? He could have done that. Why didn't He do that? And a lot of times we look at injustices that have been done and we think, how could God have just let that go? He hasn't let it go. The judgment is coming for that. It's during that tribulation period. You think, why hasn't it happened yet? Well, we're going to see why in a little bit. But God is going to deal with all those things. All these people that have been saying, why would a loving God allow these things? Boy, they don't know what they're saying. God is going to deal with all these things during the tribulation period. But also we see in the story that there was somebody who showed up to that wedding where the Bible says he didn't have on a wedding garment. And they cast him out into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. There's another place that the Bible talks about in that with using those same words, a place called hell where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Here we have a picture of somebody who is cast into hell. That is going to happen someday at judgment. There are going to be those who... Stand before God. Some of them who were good people, who prophesied in His name and did many wonderful works, and Jesus is going to say, Depart from me, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity, is what He calls them. And they're going to be cast into a place called hell. But many people today who call themselves Christians, and even preachers, they say they don't believe in the judgment of God. Some say they don't believe in a hell. But anybody who reads the Bible, when you read the Bible, there's only one reason for not believing in the judgment, and that is willful, willful ignorance on purpose. You don't want to know the truth. Go to Second Peter chapter three. I've got so much scripture. I don't know if I'll even have time to get to all of this, 
That is the most important part of a message is, is it scriptural? And there is a lot of Bible to back all this up. I Basically, what I kind of did, I, I tried to pick some of the lesser known passages. Ones that I don't use as often. Maybe ones that you, you haven't seen before. You may have seen all these before. But um, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 1, says, The second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that ye be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of our Lord and Savior, the holy prophets. Those are those guys who wrote the Old Testament. I want you to remember the words of the holy prophets. I want you to remember the Old Testament. And I want you to remember our words, the apostles. Those who wrote the New Testament. The judgment of God, it's Old Testament and New Testament. Verse 3, Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust, and saying, Where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. Boy, we see that going on today. Where is the promise of His coming? Where, hey, He hasn't come back yet. It's been 2,000 years since He died on a cross. Things are just continuing. We're having the same problems we've always had. I don't think, I don't think this is true. He said that's going to happen in the last days. For this they willingly are ignorant of that by the Word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. People are willfully ignorant, it's talking about here, of the creation. You won't hear them talk about creation in the public schools today. They talk about evolution. Man came from monkeys. They are willfully ignorant of the creation of God. They're willfully ignorant over the great flood that took place. You will not hear them talk about that. I just saw last night a preview. I guess they're making a new movie called Noah about the flood. And it's going to be interesting to see how they portray it. I was reading some comments about it. And people are just mocking it, making fun of it. Uh, this is just a story, you know, just an, uh, you know, fable. This isn't a historical, uh, you know, this is like a, you know, a Lord of the Rings or, a, you know, a fairy tale, you know, Cinderella. No, that, that really happened. Okay, I don't know how accurate the movie's going to be. Uh, they don't, Hollywood doesn't usually do the best job on accuracy. But people are willing, willfully ignorant. The flood happened. There's evidence all over the world. I mean, they found fish, fossils of fish on mountains. How do you explain that? You know, that, that had to have been a great flood. That's another subject. But people are willfully ignorant of those things. Willfully ignorant of the creation. Willfully ignorant of the flood. And it says, um, verse 7, "...but the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire." against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. They're willfully ignorant about the coming judgment of God. One of these days, this whole world's going to be destroyed by fire. We see that throughout the Bible and prophecy. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. Time's not the same for God as it is for us. Okay, We think it's been a long time that God's been putting things off for a long time. But he hasn't. And if it does seem that way, there is a reason for it. Because it says, beloved, or verse 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness. We might think God's slack enough according to our definitions, but he's not. What it is, it says, but God is, but is long suffering to us, word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God's not slacking off here. God's trying to give us a chance to repent. God's wanting to give the world a chance to repent. 
You may think God's stalling off judgment. God's not doing anything about it. It's because God is merciful. Because God is love. God's putting off judgment, giving us a chance to repent. When you were a kid and you were about to be punished, didn't you love it when your your parents would give you a chance to make up for it? Or maybe if you're good for the rest of the day, you can avoid punishment. You loved when you had those opportunities. Just give me a chance. But boy, when they just pronounced judgment and there was nothing you could do, that stunk. I remember those days when uh, my dad would pronounce those sentences on me. You know, when we get home, this is going to happen, and you knew there was no getting out of it. But boy, when you give hope, if you're good the rest of the way home, then you at least had hope. And you know, God's trying to give us hope. You see all that wickedness going on in the world. God is planning on doing something about it. He doesn't want to. It's not His desire. He's being merciful. But eventually, that day is going to come where God says, okay, enough's enough. You've waited too long. That day, that day is coming. But it says, but the day of the Lord, in verse 10, will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat? Nevertheless, we, according to His promises, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. In Revelation 21, we read about the new heavens and new earth where there is no more sickness, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain. That's coming. That's what we're looking forward to. And because we have that hope in us, we purify ourselves. We try to do right. We try to be good people. We try to live like Christ because we have the hope that someday we will be like Christ. And because we also know that God is going to judge the world for sin, therefore we don't want to participate in it. We don't want to be involved in it. We want to avoid it the best we can. Not so we can go to heaven. We're going to heaven because we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But we don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. We don't want to take advantage of the grace of God that He's given us. And that's why we try so hard to do right and avoid certain sins. And avoid any sin. But... Back to this wedding though. So here, because there's people today that just aren't interested in that. People who say they're religious, but yet they're just as involved in sin as any lost person. And that act like that there's no, there's not going to be any consequences, there's nothing wrong with it. But I want us to look at these people, I want us to go back to this wedding in Matthew chapter 22, and notice the people that are cast out, or that are not able to participate in the wedding. First of all, in Matthew 22 verse 3, says, and he sent forth his servants to call them that were been to the wedding, and they would not come. You know who's going to go to hell? Those who reject the invitation to salvation. Those who reject. God, because God is love, He offers salvation to all. The Bible talks about Jesus Christ, that He was that light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. That God died for the sins of the world. But sadly, many are going to reject that gift of salvation. They are going to reject Christ's payment for their sins. And you know what? God does not, is not going to make people accept Him. God has given us a free will. God has given us a choice. And many are going to reject that invitation. Notice, they were invited. People that go to hell, they're not going there just because God picked them to hate and God picked them to judge. And we're not going to heaven because God picked us to love and God picked us to go to heaven. The only difference between us and them is one accepted, one rejected. 
Do not reject that invitation to salvation. If God's offering it, boy, you want to accept that. You don't want to make light of it. You don't want to attack His messenger. I've heard of Christians that thank God. God was merciful to them. And they talk about the first time that somebody witnessed to them how they rejected it. And maybe they even yelled at that person. I heard. I know one man, Christian man, faithful church, guarantee he's probably sitting in church today, that one time uh, he was in the military, I think just getting back home, and somebody tried witnessing to him, somebody tried giving him the plan of salvation, and he hit him. He, he hit the guy. Punched him. He didn't want to hear about it. And you know now he knows, but later, God was merciful. You smote my servant, I'll smite you. No, God was merciful. God didn't smite him right there. God was merciful to him. He was long-suffering. And God eventually saved him. And thank God for that. God is merciful. But had he kept rejecting, he would have died and went to hell like everyone else who rejects. The invitation, it includes everyone. Verse 9, he says, And the multitudes went before... Or that's wrong chapter. Uh, verse 9, Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find, bid to the marriage. Okay, we're the ones that are supposed to be inviting people to this marriage. It's supposed to be telling people about Jesus Christ. And we're going to tell whoever we can. We're going to tell anybody we can. We're going to tell. We're going to go to those who are in jail. We'll go to those in the nursing homes. We'll go to those uh, in the poor areas. We'll go to those in the rich areas. Whoever we can find, we will tell about Jesus Christ. Because we want to see people saved. That's our job. Some will reject. Some will accept. But there are... Uh, that invitation includes everyone. Revelation 22.17 talks about whosoever will, let him come and take of the water of life freely. God offers salvation to everyone. But there were many at this wedding here in the parable that rejected. And there was also those whose garments had never been that weren't wearing the right kind of garments. Notice it said there was one who didn't have on a wedding garment. Now I don't know for sure. Maybe there back in those days there was a certain thing that everybody wore. To weddings, I don't know much about uh, the customs and things of that time. But you know, nowadays, I guess in our day and age, usually if you're going to a wedding, you dress up a little bit. You usually wear your nicer clothes. Uh, those who are usually in the bridal party, you know, they wear the tuxedos, and the ladies wear the you know the fancy dresses and carry the flowers. And you can tell who's in the bridal party. Usually, there's a certain garment they're wearing, but there was somebody in there that wasn't wearing the right kind of garment, and. The Bible says they threw him out. Who is this guy? Well, I believe this person represents someone whose garments had never been washed in the blood of the Lamb. Matthew uh, 20, or lost my spot here. Go to Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. The truth is, if you're not wearing the right kind of garments, you're not going to make it into heaven either. He's like. Is my clothing okay right now? Now I'm not talking about your physical clothing right now, but it says in Revelation chapter one verse five it says and from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. You know who's gonna the right kind of garments you need to be wearing those that have been washed in the blood of the lamb. The only way through heaven we talked about this morning in Sunday school is through the blood of Jesus Christ. Through His sacrifice for your sins. This man, his garments, I don't know, maybe they were dirty. 
Maybe it was something that was just it was dirty and nasty, something people wouldn't normally wear to a wedding, and it was clear that maybe this guy was in here just to take advantage. Maybe he wanted the food that was at the wedding. I've always thought about that before. You see those wedding receptions and things going on, just pretend you know them and go get the food. Uh, that that'd be pretty cruel. I haven't done that yet, but uh, thought about it a few times. <laughs> but maybe that's what this guy was doing. Hey, I want the benefits. I know I wasn't invited. I know I'm not a part of this, but I, I want to be there. There's people out there. That I think everybody wants to go to heaven, but not all want to go through Jesus Christ. Not all want to go through the sacrifice that He made. There are some today that they want to go to heaven, but they want to get there on their own works. They think that their way should be good enough. That God should accept them. Um, you know, that God should just accept their best. Let me tell you, our best is nothing. Our best, our righteousness. As is a filthy rag in the eyes of God. You and I, on our own and on our best day, we are too dirty to enter into the presence of God. We are too dirty and too filthy and too sinful to enter into heaven. And we don't belong there, but thank God, when we accept Christ as our Savior, the Bible says that we are washed in His blood. We will someday stand before God with clean garments and robes of white that the Bible says says, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as wool. They'll be white. Our, our garments will. Wearing white garments because of Jesus Christ. Because we've been washed in His blood. And the only difference between one who is cast out in this wedding is well, one, those who rejected, those who did not come with their garments and the right garments. What, those who are going to be at the wedding... Those who accepted the invitation, those whose garments were washed in the blood of the Lamb. But as for the rest, we see here that they was cast into outer darkness where there was weeping and gnashing of teeth. There is coming a day where there is going to be a final judgment. We see in Revelation chapter 21 and verse 27. I want to read this first to Revelation 21. Verse 27 it says, And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. When you got saved, your name, it was, it was written, it was sealed in that Lamb's book of life. When you stand before God, the Bible says the books are going to be opened. One of those books that are there on Judgment Day is the Lamb's book of life. And if your name's in there, you're in. Their name, I believe it gets... I, I, I personally believe I could be wrong about this. The Bible talks about a book of life. It talks about names being blotted out of the book of life or the book of the living. But I personally believe that everybody who's ever lived, their name is in a book in heaven. Everybody who's alive today, their name is in a book in heaven. And when you get saved, when you call on God for salvation, your name is sealed in that book. It can't be blotted out. You can't lose your salvation, but those uh, and those who because those who get saved they never die. To be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord, that's not really death. But those who die without Christ, they do die. They die a spiritual death. They spend eternity in hell. They're blotted out of that book of the living. And when that final judgment comes, that final day approaches, the names that are left are. The book that's going to, it's going to be called the Lamb's Book of Life. Let's see who's in that book, and everybody whose names are in there. The Bible says we'll go to heaven, but those whose names are not in there, the Bible says will be cast 
into a lake of fire. I know that's not a pretty story. But that is Bible right there. There are those who have never rejected or they've never accepted that invitation and their names are not in that book. And they're, they're, they'll spend an eternity in hell. There's coming a day when God is going to judge this world where God's going to come back and He and the world is going to answer for all the wickedness that's taken place. And in Isaiah, I want us to go to Isaiah chapter 66. We see a passage here. That this last verse, it really, uh, it really kind of scares me in a lot of ways. Not because I'm afraid I'm going to be one judged. I know I'm saved. I know I'm on my way to heaven. I know where I'm going to be on that day. But I want us to, I want, to, I want you to notice something in Isaiah chapter 66. We don't have time to read the whole chapter. I want to just hit a few highlights in there. But in verse one, it says, "Thus saith the Lord: The heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that ye build unto me, and the place of my rest? For all those things which mine hands made, and all those things have been, saith the Lord. But to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit, and trembleth at my word. He that killeth an ox is as if he slew a man. He that sacrificeth a lamb is as if he cut off a dog's neck. He that offereth an oblation as if he offered swine's blood." He that burneth incense as if he blessed an idol. Yea, they have chosen their own ways, and their soul delighteth in their abominations. You know, many of the people in the world, they enjoy the abominations that they are doing. I know the world has taken a lot of abominations and said it's okay, that it's acceptable, and that it's right because it's what they enjoy. It's what feels good. The Bible talks about those who delight in their abominations. And we're going to see what's going to happen. It says, I will... I also, in verse 4, will choose their delusions and will bring their fears upon them because when I called, none did answer. When I spake, they did not hear, but they did evil before mine eyes and chose that in which I delighted not. Hear the word of the Lord, ye that tremble at His word. Your brethren that hated you, that cast you out for My name's sake, said, Let the Lord be glorified, but He shall appear to your joy and they shall be ashamed. You know, the coming of Christ is exciting for us, but the world ought to be scared to death right now. It'll be to our joy, but it'll be to their shame. A voice of noise from a city, a voice from the temple, a voice of the Lord that rendereth recompense to His enemies. God has enemies. God has those who are working against Him. And someday God is going to fight those enemies. This is Old Testament. Remember what Peter said? Remember the words of the holy prophets? Isaiah was one of them. This is inspired Scripture right here. Jump down to verse 13. It says, As one whom his mother comforteth, so will I comfort you, and ye shall be comforted in Jerusalem. And when ye see this, your heart shall rejoice, and your bones shall flourish like an herb. And the hand of the Lord shall be known toward His servants, and His indignation towards His enemies. God's angry at what's going on, and they're going to see it. For behold, the Lord will come with fire and with His chariots like a whirlwind to render His anger with fury and His rebuke with flames of fire. For by fire and by His sword will the Lord plead with all flesh and the slain of the Lord shall be many. This is talking about the battle of Armageddon. They that sanctify themselves and purify themselves in the gardens behind one tree in the midst eating swine's flesh and the abomination and the mouse shall be consumed together, saith the Lord. For I know their works and their thoughts. It shall come that I will gather all nations and tongues, and they shall come and see my glory. It's the battle of Armageddon. Verse 22, For as the new heavens 
And the new earth which I will make shall remain before me, saith the Lord. So shall your seed and your name remain. And it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another shall all flesh come to worship before me, saith the Lord. And then this verse is the one that scares me. The very last verse in the book of Isaiah. And it says, And they shall go forth, talking about God's people, and look upon the carcasses of the men that have transgressed against me. For their worm shall not die, neither shall their fire be quenched, and they shall be an abhorring to all flesh. Right here, that same word, that terminology uses there, Jesus used that same term, talking about people who die and go to hell. Their worm shall not die, neither shall their fire be quenched. We know that the punishment of hell, it's an eternal punishment. But you know, this in this passage here, it talks about in that new heaven and new earth, I don't know how it's going to work exactly. I don't know if it's going to be just for a short period of time or if it's going to be an eternal thing. I don't know how it's going to work. But it talks about those going forth and looking on the carcasses and seeing those who have transgressed. And it says, for their worm shall not die. That term there is basically talking about their carcass. It's referring to them as a worm. It's, it, it's disgusting. Like a maggot. You've all seen that before. You've looked in maybe a trash can or something and you saw the maggots and you just get disgusted. You don't even want to look at it. You abhor it. And you just you want to, you want to cast it out of your sight. You want to get rid of it. You, something that's really gross, you just want to burn it up. You want it to go away and you never want to see it again. None of you have ever stood there before when your garbage man's taking your nasty trash away. You look and you wave by to your garbage. You were glad to see it go because it was nasty. It was disgusting. There's been times before ours have been so gross. You know, we've had to pour the Clorox in there and stuff. Just to, it's just gross and it smells terrible. You can't wait for the garbage man to come and get it away. And we don't go. We've never gone to the junkyard and just to go look and I wonder if any of our old trash is here. I wonder if we can find it. You cast it out. You don't ever want to see it again because it's disgusting. Unless you're like Jason. We were at a junkyard one time dropping off a bunch of stuff and he saw those tractors and things out there pushing all that garbage and he's like, this is where I want to work when I grow up. <laughs> but most of us, we're not like that. And the thing that scares me about that is because when it says that they're going to be an abhorring to all flesh, at this time in the new heavens and the new earth, when you and I are there, we're going to be like Christ. We are going to see sin as God sees sin. And these people that we're looking at, they may be friends and family. But when we're in that glorified state and we see them like God does, it's going to be disgusting to us. And what this ought to do, one, it ought to cause us to be thankful because this is how God sees me in my sin and He still loves me. That's an amazing thing right there, the fact that God still loves us even though our righteousness and even though in His sight we're just like a bunch of dirty, filthy maggots. He still loves us. He still saves us. He'll still cleanse us. He'll change us. We've got to be changed, folks. God needs to change us. We're sinners. We're disgusting. We don't deserve to go to heaven. But... Those who are changed, someday us ourselves, we're going to look and we'll see those carcasses. The Bible says they'll be an abhorring to all flesh. And you know what? I think about that and I think about those who I love and those who I care about. And I don't have, I, it scares me the thought of seeing them that way. And what it makes me want to do is tell everybody I can about Jesus. 
to tell everybody I can, hey, you don't, we don't have to be this way. Jesus Christ can save your soul and He can cleanse you from your sins and we can spend eternity in heaven with Him. I, when you see the sins that people are involved in, the way it's just destroying their life and what it does to them, it doesn't have to be that way. Jesus Christ can give victory over that sin. That sin that people are accepting and embracing and that they live for. God is going to judge the world for it someday. And boy, do we deserve it. Boy, have we asked for it. But we don't have to participate in it. And listen, God is a God of love. And the reason that we that God is a God of love is because it would, it would only take a God of love to be able to love something as disgusting as we are. And many of the same people who talk about God being love and God would never do anything bad to people like us. Well, if we're so special, then it really doesn't take much love to love us then, does it? Any of us can love somebody who does good to us. But when we talk about loving somebody that does evil to us, that's a little different. And yet that's what God has done for us. And He is a God of love. But He is a just God. And sin has to be dealt with. And it's going to be dealt with someday. And it's our job as Christians to protect as many people as we can from this. And to tell them about Jesus Christ. There is coming a day of judgment. You know, this world that people are living for and everything their life is all consumed with, it's all going to burn someday. But the things of God, they're eternal. He's prepared a mansion for me in heaven. He'll prepare, he's, he'll prepare a place for them too. He'll save anybody. And we've got to tell as many people as we can. And they, and, cause this invitation is an invitation you do not want to reject. The cost is too high. So with that, I want us to all stand together with our heads bowed and eyes closed.